Welcome to the Business Launch Podcast. Join us as we get up close and personal with savvy entrepreneurs. Let's explore their business journey and how they navigated challenges and reached their goals. I'm your host, Carlos Simonio. Hey guys, it's Carla here from the Business Launch Podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine, Mr. Andrew Hugh. He's been, I've known Andrew for at least a good 20 plus years. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, maybe 20 years, man. Yeah, it's been 20 years. So Andrew was originally in the late 90s, early 2000s. We were in the same, we started a master, mastermind group together. We we were into building businesses and he was doing his own thing. I was doing my own thing. And then we met up once a week out at Homebush and just pick each other's brains, help each other out. But it's Andrew actually works a nine to five job as a BA, as a business analyst. Is that right? And, and uh, product manager. Product manager. He's a more of a product yeah. manager and, and he's... What's great about Andrew, he's built a really big property portfolio as well. And he's done really well in the last 15 years, I'd say. He's built that, that business. Yeah. And yeah, it's been it's good to finally talk to you, Andrew. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah. It's been too long, man. We're, it's been too long. Catching up off, offline here. Yeah. Saying how much we need to catch up. And yeah. COVID, like we're saying how COVID has basically, time's gone on, but COVID's put a pause on everybody's lives. And now we're kind of like, everybody's coming out of their COVID hell yeah. and finally just getting into our stride again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, Andrew. Where did you grow up? And what did you do? Like, where did you study as well, like uni and yeah. stuff? Yeah, sure. Look, I was actually born in Malaysia. I for a very short time I was there, like I think I until I was like nine years old or something like that. I went to primary school, a little bit of primary school there. Then I, I moved to Australia with my family. So we were pretty. We weren't like poor or anything. We were pretty like middle class. Not didn't too, do too bad for ourselves. When I first moved to Australia here in Sydney, I went to, I don't know if people know where things are in, in Sydney, but we lived in Penrith, which is out really west. The Rift, <laughs> the Rift, they say. <laughs> the Rift. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to primary school and high school there, met a lot of people that I still keep in contact with from Penrith High School when I was there as well. And then we moved again to um uh, Strathfield, the Strathfield area That's here right. in Sydney. And then I went to high school there as well, at Homebush. And I still network with a lot of people and kept good contacts there with people that I have known for a very long time. I seem to have a very, I know who who to connect with and who to keep in contact with because I, I, had, I love to have long lasting friendships. So um, they've lasted for a very long time. Even in uni, I went to University of Sydney didn't know really what I was getting into there. I started off doing like a double degree, computer engineering, computer science. And then I quickly figured out after the first year that I hated engineering because <laughs> it was too much maths. <laughs> it was actually a lot of the physics and stuff that, that put me off. So I decided to drop the engineering bit and just concentrate actually in, in the science part. And actually at the time it was very new. 
it was information systems, which is was a new degree. Yeah. So basically, that's what got me into doing business analysis and product management in the first place. Kind of like thankful for that route that I took through uni. I applied a lot of that knowledge through what I do now. And it's more about the love for learning and like loving what you do and just keeping up to speed with all the latest information nice. in, in that space. Yeah. Um, in terms of life path and where it took me, after uni, I went out in the work in the workforce for a while. Got in a bit of debt. <laughs> Paid like it off. People do. <laughs> yeah. When you first get in there, you get money. You're like, oh wow, I've got a lot of money, and now I'm gonna spend it. And I <laughs> don't have any more money, so I'm gonna get a credit card, and I'm gonna spend all that too. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I quickly found out that that's probably not the way to go. And started getting my house in order, so to speak, in terms of finances. Yeah, that that was a very big learning curve for me. On top of that was the business. You mentioned businesses. I dabbled in a few businesses here and there. I actually took some time off work to see whether I could actually run my own business. It ends up being that that's not for me either. (laughs) (laughs) It's better to know it young rather than you're 70 years old. Yeah, that was the idea. Give it a go. I gave it a red hot go. My now wife, she said, she pulled me up on it. She said, you gave it a red hot go. It's been three years. Mate, you need to go back. You need to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then after that, you you went off to UK, right? That's right. Which I, it was, I'm glad that we did that, actually. It was at one of the, just after the GFC, we went to the UK, which is actually quite a sore trying time for people because there weren't that many jobs out there. Yeah. I was like sacrificing a job that I already had here and the security of all that. And actually, I forgot to mention, I started my investment journey earlier on at that time before moving to the UK. Nice. I bought a place in Stratfield. I wish I still had it, but <laughs> I bought a place there was renting it out and I decided, you know what, I want to have commitments here in Australia that I can get bogged down with. So I actually sold the place that I had. Just before field. you left. Before you yeah. left. Wow. I actually made a loss by selling that. Oh. And if I hang up, hung on to that one, that would have probably been triple or quadruple the price that, it, that I brought it out. It would have right been now. a few million right yeah. now, right? Yeah. And paid off as well. <laughs> that's, for, that's it. <laughs> So life is full of give and take, right? So giving up, that's fine. But I took advantage of the fact that we were in the UK, got a good job there that allowed me to still live a comfortable life and be able to travel. That was the one main thing that we wanted to do. My wife and I were there, travel. And we just went hard at traveling. We, We traveled everywhere. I think there was one year we were there, literally every weekend we're at some different location we weren't in london we lived in london but in the weekend we lived in paris or we lived in athens or we were at austria somewhere or we've been to iceland we've been to norway wherever it's been it was amazing it's just such an eye-opening experience one being able to see different cultures and the way of life there because it's so hard for us in australia to be able to travel there um, and get to really immerse yourself in in the way of life you normally go and hit up like all the tourist hotspots and stuff like that. But when you've been to Paris that many times, <laughs> you tend to forget about the touristy things. Then and right. just kind of go and I just want to go out into the coffee shop and just experience what it's like. Just sit there and watch life go by yeah. and see what it's like to be a real Parisian. 
so it was nice being able to experience all of that yeah we spent some time over there and then decided to come back to australia we got married time yeah, um, i was in that i was in your wedding <laughs> <laughs> yes that's right so it's crazy we arranged a wedding and everything from overseas came back got married went back <laughs> to the uk came back again afterwards it was a it's it was a very a carefree time in our lives and yeah came back to sydney and that's when my property investment journey started for real where i wanted to get serious with investing in property and building up a portfolio so mm-hmm. From that time onwards until now, I've been investing since I was like 2012-ish. Yeah, and then from there until now, basically been investing in property, but also working a nine-to-five job. Most people see business as like a way to, to get out of the rat race and they think, oh, I have to be in business, but I'm not. I'm in a nine-to-five job as well. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, there's... Let's back up a little. Sure. So you came back to Australia. You've already started. You sold your property, the Stratfield property. You came back. Yep. You had a plan already coming back. Is that right? To have to start investing in property? Yeah, that's right. We, my wife and I spoke about it. I, that's her name. And we, we said, all right, when we get back, we want to find some good people to help us build up a portfolio and we'll start looking for property to purchase. We didn't have much savings, to be honest. We just had um, a little bit that we could have from our stay over in the UK because most of the money, to be honest, or most of the money we had, it was spent in traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's like pros and cons, right? So you're giving up the, the stuff that you want in the future, but you've got the experience that you want to experience now. So right. we gave up, but yeah. we were conscious, making a conscious decision of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You came back, you guys finished your stint at UK, came back yep. with, I guess, with a little bit of savings. Is that right? Yep. Or That's right. And yeah, then a little you, bit of savings. you decided to put a team together or like people to. Yeah. And what was the strat- strategy with that, with your property investing? Yeah, for the very, very first purchase was was more like just for our own sake, right? Because it's our own personal principal property. Yeah. So that because it was a very personal thing, we did it ourselves. We went, looked around, looked for an area. The most important thing for us was just like not having, not over buying because yeah. that initial purchase could be detri- very detrimental to our our future like our future choices right so we looked at what was what was our main factors and requirements for a property and we decided we didn't want a big house because we didn't need one basically i think most people here and in the us and most of the western world they're like oh you have to own a house you have to own a big house with a yard and we were like we're very anti that we're like no if you have a house, that means if you've got a five-bedroom house, there's only two of us, you're literally going to only be living in one bedroom. You're paying for the other four and probably extra bathrooms and whatnot as well yeah. that you're never going to really be using for That's a true. very long time. Yeah. So we decided to scale down and only commit to about what we could pay in terms of interest, about 30% of our joint income. That created a limit for our... Um, spending 
Yeah. And then we create a limit to the sizing of what we needed, which was, I think we decided two bedroom apartment was like the best that we, the most that we needed at that time. Yeah. And then also then created radius around Sydney, looking around where the best areas were. And so use it, using that kind of tactic, we found out this area here, which at the time was Homebush West, that, that Strathfieldy area yeah. was worked out the best for us. Yeah. And that's when we bought our first property there. And that, you that still, still have that property. We, st- we still have that. Yeah, yeah, we still have that property. And so that was our very first purchase. And we don't really count that one as like part of our, at the time we didn't count it as our part of our investment portfolio because it's house. We're living there. We're not renting it out to anybody. Yeah. How many, so how long, next, how long until you decided to buy your second property after that? A few months later. A few, uh, months. a few months. Okay. Yeah, a few months later. Um, we so once we had that, we moved in. That's when the the wheels went into motion for employing a buyer's agent. So one, yes. I would rather have somebody that's a bit more experienced, knows the market, for property, no. and yeah. knows the market. Yeah, and I'll pay them for their services. That's a, that was okay for me. And then having a good accountant, which slash. I guess the our accountant is different. It is like almost like a advisor, like a financial advisor as well. Yeah. It helped us in that respect too. And the good thing about him is that having him as part of the team was important because he also was a property investor himself nice. and a very successful one. Yeah. So not only did he know about the accounting laws but he was also experienced in property investing so he understood how to structure certain things yeah so um, it's very important for me to have at least those two things there that's a good team to have having a buyer's agent and a a great accountant to to match things up together for you yeah yeah and if i was to move i've been with that accountant for a very long time now and he knows my structure everything and if I was to pick up my portfolio and everything now and go to a different account, they'll have a they'll they'll turn as grey as me right now. <laughs> like what we said before, I'd rather have your greys than no hair. Right? <laughs> yeah. So your your accountant does really good job. So he's actually yeah. he would have been giving you advice as well, good areas and what structure. Yeah, he tries to play it quite neutral, so it doesn't give me advice to, in the respect of, oh, look at this area, it's hot right now or anything yeah. like that, because he leaves that up to me to decide. But it's more, who do I put onto the the deed if, if I was purchased, because there's tax structures around that yeah. kind of stuff. When would we need to incorporate a business, say perhaps to then start putting on the title instead of our own personal names, things like that. Yeah. Just little things to be aware of and then aside from all of that is also uh, i'm also in control of my in australia we've got something called the superannuation which is your own like i, I don't know what they for is it 401k 401k US. to the us yeah. yeah yeah so that's the the money there we also put into our own self-managed one so we can actually have a we've got a separate entity looking after investment property investment for that as well nice so We've got all that set up. So we're heavily into property in, in, in terms of all aspects of our in, investments. Yes. Yeah. Next, next purchase after. Yeah. Now going back, our next purchase was actually a property 
in, I believe it was Port Macquarie. Um, you, went, you went out now. Yeah, yeah, went out. That's right. And all the properties, are, all these, what I'm telling you right now, I actually haven't sold any of them. So they're still there. And so bought, we bought that one, rented it out, and it just kept on rolling. So the strategic plan that we had was some of them were just purely based on cash flow. Yeah, positive cash flow. Yep. So like we're talking about buying a house for 120K, but then renting wow. it out for $300 a week. Wow. So we were talking like quite positive cash flow. Yeah. And even there's some that are even more than that. But the areas that you bought at where the cash flow is good, the drawback sometimes is the capital gains isn't great. Yeah which doesn't help your uh, property building. Yeah. So we had to purchase ones that initially that had good capital to take out because we were using the capital immediate gains to actually get the equity out to then roll on to other investments. Nice. We were very lucky because I didn't, <laughs> I'm, um, I don't. I didn't have the foresight myself, but I think we we're lucky enough to come in at a time in the cycle in Sydney where it was optimal to purchase. Right now, if you look like 10, right now is yeah, 23. The 10-year cycle, they normally talk about 10 years, like seven to 10-year cycles yeah. where property where price double. Yeah. yeah, it's done even more than that. But yeah, we, we came in at the right time. And now is actually the start of another cycle. Yeah. To, if you think about it, because rates are high and cash is king at the moment because that's right and so if you are cashed up and waiting and ready you can actually when in a position to purchase something at probably a steal, yeah. a steal. <laughs> I, I say that as a steal because property prices here in in, in sydney are still quite high but yeah. it's ridiculously are, high areas are coming down a bit and i think you're just waiting for the pressure to build in certain areas that you might have a fire sale yeah. you, if you had cash you could be ready to jump on it yeah. And that's essentially what happened with a lot of the purchases that we had. Somebody had a contract for one of our places. I think we bought it in, in Kingswood. Kingswood, they out were, at Penrith area. Yep, yeah. that's yeah. right. They were they had a contract ready to go, but they it fell through because the buyer had called Pete. They discounted that price of that property a hundred grand, and I just jumped on that one. And yeah. I could have literally sold that property just the next day. Or 100 grand more if I really wanted to, <laughs> but I didn't. I still hold on to that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think if I was to describe it, it's the strategy was to have a good mixture of cash flow and also ones that had good capital gain to help with the portfolio building. Nice. But the base portfolio that you have is very important. So it was. 2012 you started did you say oh, yes around in, roughly in, in, around that yeah in earnest i would say 2012 yeah 2012 so 10 years yeah let's now. discount the, the strap one that <laughs> the strap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you started building this current portfolio in 2012 now we're in 2023 yeah how many properties do you have now in that in that lifespan you don't even know. <laughs> I'm trying to calculate because I've got a piece of land that I'm trying to split as well at the moment. But that's, I think if we count all up, I think it would be about 12. 12, 13. nice. 13. Yeah. Yeah. And you haven't sold any 
Yep. Now I've sold one, but it was part of a big block sale. So it was part of a block of units. Yeah. And it was up in the central coast as well. So I sold that one and we made triple what we bought it on. <laughs> so hey. that was a really that was a really good sale for us. Was it an apartment at the time? Or is it an yeah, apartment? Yeah. yeah, it was just an apartment. Yeah. An apartment and yeah, it was it I like I'll describe it as the crappiest apartment in the best area. <laughs> 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 so was it Gosford? Was it Gosford? No, it was actually Terrigal. Terrigal, nice. Yeah. Terrigal, which is where everybody it's a coastal town. It's not it's about one and a half hours out of Sydney. So it was a and it's now known for having quite luxury apartments and luxury lifestyle over there. Yeah. But yeah, I had the worst unit <laughs> in that luxury area. <laughs> yeah. It's if you can make three times the money that you put in, it's you can't go wrong with that. It's sometimes it's all about the location. So in starting your property portfolio or your property business, what was the big wins at the start for you? What were the big wins? Yeah, look, big wins for me, probably just, I think the education that I got from just starting the ball rolling that to me, it was invaluable, like life experience and being able to get that, that information and having that sort of assistance from my team, yeah. that was a big win. That yeah. was like, without, like, I still have that core team today. Yeah, buyer's so, agent and your... Yeah, yeah. I switched out buyer's agents, but I still have contacts. Like it's, it, I don't have the same buyer's agent that I had before. But just understanding what that core team, what matters most, that was a big win. And also coming to the realization that what we were saying before is that life's path is, is, it's different for everybody, right? So the big win for me was understanding that, hey, business is not just like starting a business, starting like a bricks and mortar business or even an online business, right? It takes different shapes and sizes. It can, um, it's a what I was talking about before as well. You would be offline. It's like it's a yeah. means to an end, yeah. and the end end goal. What it's like understanding that was also a very big win for me. Is that it's important to to realize what your capabilities are, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then take advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was a very big win for me to understand that I am good at what I do. I'm good at my nine to five job. I'm really good at it. Yeah. So why would I give that up? Yeah. In still doing your nine to five job you had big wins at the start because you went from one property to uh to in the first few years i think i saw you i saw an article of you i was like is that yeah. andrew <laughs> i saw you you were featured in one of the new was it newspapers here in Daily, yeah, was it sorry. sydney morning herald or something like that yeah i was in daily telegraph daily right. telegraph yeah. Yeah. I was like, hey, this Andrew, he's what? He's got this much properties. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So in during that time, what was did you on the, on the flip side, did you have any doubts that you were gonna you might have bitten more than you could chew? Oh yeah, there was there's certain times when I was burnt by tenants leaving the house in a mess or 
not being able to claim insurance for certain things. Just there was a steep learning curve. <laughs> and there was, if I had known those pitfalls earlier, I would have done things to mitigate that. But such is life, right? If I, if I doubted all of that and didn't even move, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yeah. So it was a learning um, experience. Yeah, yeah, it was a learning experience. Yeah, sure. It was painful. And that's the ones where money is involved. There's, there's a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the ones that you will remember for a very long time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the painful lessons that stick to you forever that yeah. shapes you as a person as well. Yeah. yeah. Even like I talked about the Terrigal sale just then, but like we had to go to court. There was a few things there that, that happened that didn't go our way and ended up being like a dodgy agent dodgy conveyancer like all sorts of dodginess happening there that i say we because there's a group of us a group of owners that were part of that whole sale and we all went through a very steep learning curve and we're now hyper aware of how badly things can go wrong with with a sale of a, a, a apartment block yeah. but we 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 came out at the end of that pretty in a good position but there was a lot of learnings that we take away from that yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, that's great. I think one thing that I think is a blessing to me is that none of those were detrimental to my life path that I'm going in right now. Mm. Like there was no like massive, huge financial hit or anything like that, yeah. where it just stopped me dead in my tracks and I couldn't go any further. Yeah. So that was a blessing. I think as all well, as well as that, it's because of the strategy that I had, where I describe it as this: like you could buy. A million dollar property right and sit on it for 10 years and it'll double in price let's just say yeah. and it'll be two million dollars but that's a massive risk because yeah. it's one property <laughs> so we decided to go small imagine just this is a really hypothetical because they're not all the same but imagine if you split it up into a hundred thousand dollar investments instead and yeah. there were 10 one hundred thousand dollar investments yeah. if any one of them went bust It'll be it'll be relatively okay because you still got the other nine. Yeah, so yeah. your eggs are, were not in one basket. Yeah, yeah, it's spread out, and yeah. that was done on purpose because yeah. of that. Yeah, well, it's it's a great way to to start investing, knowing that you're not throwing because nowadays here in Sydney, if you want to buy your principal property that you want to live in. It's million dollar property from the get go. Yeah, and it's probably not going to be the best one either. Yeah, You're that's gonna right. Have to do renovations and all that kind of stuff, which is yeah. another cost yeah. on top of all that. So it is pretty crazy. <laughs> We're living in crazy times here in Australia. I say Australia because property prices here, as you you'd have some in other states too, don't you? Yeah, I do have some in Queensland, which is another state, and also in Western Australia. So it's another yes. state there. Yeah, it's kind of all, all around. Yeah, but where the property growths are, yeah. As a property investor, what makes you stand out from other investors? I think I'm probably just based on the portfolio and what I've got. I would say I'm at the maybe one or two percent of Australians that yeah. are in this position. Yeah, there's not that many. And it's because of the strategy that I had. It's not putting all your eggs into one basket. It sounds really simple, but like 
people are very tempted to, and they also have the, this sort of attachment with the the physical look of a place and they want it to be perfect and they pay extra for that kind of stuff. I literally didn't, I think any of my investments, I never even set foot next to that thing. <laughs> I never had a personal attachment to it. Yeah. In fact, so it was like a business transaction. So yeah, it was speaking. literally a business transaction. So I treated it that way. I never had a personal attachment to it. Only very recently have I actually visited one and another one, actually. So one in the Port Macquarie one, the very first one that I told you about. Yeah. That one we've now decided we've converted it over to a, a holiday rental. Oh, it's like an took advantage of, I kind of like that, yeah. yeah. So we took advantage of, I think, everyone going crazy over holidays, right, after COVID. And we, we thought, you know what? I think for a time, the time being, we want to take advantage of it, but also want to give other people opportunities to live in, and experience that as well. So we'll convert it out to a holiday rental. And that's when we actually set foot in that place. Yeah. <laughs> when you decided to change the strategy with the actual place yeah, itself. Yeah, did, did you guys... Like, well, we wouldn't have even gone there. <laughs> <laughs> did it, I know that all, pretty much all the businesses I've spoken to because you're you're in a different sort of category because you're more an investor. Did you get hit by COVID as well with any of your properties or um, you financially? No, it was really resilient because wow. you know, property, and oh, this is the coolest thing. So property rental itself, some of them, one or two, we took a minor dip in the rental, the weekly rental. But most of them were really resilient, but they just remained the same. We didn't up it because normally I, I would increase rental prices every now and then just depending on the market. But we didn't up those ones because of the COVID situation. But the decision to change the Port Macquarie one into a holiday rental, that occurred during COVID. Now, I was a little bit skeptical. I was a little bit hesitant of doing that because... I was thinking, oh my gosh, who the hell is going to rent out this place when people can't even travel? Like we were at the time, we I couldn't even travel outside of Sydney, like outside of our my own metropolitan area because of the heavy restrictions we had here in Sydney. Yeah, that's right. But we still, because that was second, the second wave, the second lockdown, right? Yeah. So we decided to do it after the first lockdown, converted it out. The second lockdown happened. And we're like, oh my gosh, what have we done? We've, I've literally, I could have rented it out to somebody full time, but instead we've turned it into turned it into a holiday rental. What have I done here? Who's going to holiday there? <laughs> <laughs> but I was nicely surprised. There were still people like outside of Sydney anyway. They were still traveling, and they wanted yeah. to go into those areas. After all costs, it ended up being the same as what I would have been getting with a consistent uh, long term rental. Yeah. So actually, I didn't take a financial hit at all. Wow. I was really impressed. I was like, wow, people are still being <laughs> able to go and, and holiday. That's Do you get that rented consistently now? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty consistent. And it's actually higher, higher yield, yield than, yeah. than what I would get with the normal, normal long-term rental. The other thing is that because it's a holiday rental, I can also go there and use it whenever I want, <laughs> which was actually my one of the driving forces for us was that we wanted a place that we can go to to take the kids, the family for a holiday. 
we spent a lot of money <laughs> uh, traveling and stuff like that. That's the rental of the property is the biggest cost of doing that. So if we can take that out and we travel there, then, hey, we've got, we don't have to have money out of our pocket, so to speak. Yeah. It's accommodations cost a lot. So it's one thing that, yeah. that comes, that helps when you actually own the actual accommodation, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So now we've got actually we've um, we've converted two of our properties into holiday rentals, just knowing the market and then be able to then utilize it for our own purposes too. Yeah, it's great. You can actually go to different strategies with properties. <laughs> Who would have known that it's not just a buy and rent? You can actually change up the way you your business model. I guess it's your business. That's model. right. Yeah, that's right. It's I own it. Right, I get to do with it what I want. Yeah. So. That's the beauty of it and the freedom that, that we get from having those properties under our belt. Yeah, it blows my mind with, um, with property. So what motivates you daily, Andrew? What motivates me daily? Yeah, this is a good one because my, my family, my children, they're a big motivation for me. I want to set like a really good example for my three boys that, that anything you put your mind to, you can do it. I, that's actually why I've, I took up other hobbies like uh, endurance, endurance sports, triathlons and that, because just to show that, hey, you know, you can do anything, you that's can do right. anything that you want. You just got to, you just got to commit and you don't have to do a lot. You don't have to do a lot. You just have to do a little bit every day. Little and incrementals. That, yeah. yeah, that's it. It's not, I don't, I know this, this hustle culture which I don't quite like because it's all about go every day it has to be a hundred percent. You got to give it a hundred percent every day, but it's not like that. It's just the little bits that you, you do every day consistently that matter. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love the, the mindset behind that. It's just, you can do it in your everyday life or in any, anything you want to concentrate your, yeah. um, your business or your health your finances, yeah. little incrementals. Just a little, yes. Just a little bit. It's probably the same thing for a lot of people have profited greatly as well from big lifestyle changes and big, big momentary shifts in, in, in promoting that, right? Like, oh, lose weight in 30 days or oh, gain 30 properties in 30, 30 days or something. <laughs> but it's that shock. Oh yeah, we can do it. We can do it. But would you be able to maintain that? Will you be able to like keep it going? Yeah. I would highly doubt that if you lost weight, that much weight in 30 days, you would probably gain most of it back the next in the next 30 days after yeah. that when the program ends, right? So it's not it's not a consistent outcome that you want. So it's just being able to like show my boys. I think that's what drives me, just show my family, my, especially my kids, what what people are capable of doing and how if they set their mind to it and just practice a little bit do a little bit every day yeah you can get good at what at that thing right yeah, yeah. great principle to have especially for all our kids all these yeah. parents who are actually trying to teach their kids you just got to be like in basketball terms what i teach my kids is you don't have to be great all at once you improve your ball handling incrementally or you're shooting by the time one year finishes, you're you're not 100%. You're actually a bigger 
improvement in the way you play basketball. Yeah. 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 It's like that 1%, but a 1% on top of a 1% is a compounding thing. Right? It's like a, it's, you don't realize it, but slowly you'll get there. Yeah. And people will also get persuaded because it's not, are they looking for major improvements right now? But you just got to stick at it and just keep it constant and keep going. And then you might not realize it, but one year later you look back. And this is why sometimes I encourage people to like just jot down things, write down a journal maybe across 30 days just to get used to the fact that things can change incrementally. Yeah. And then you look back at it, you're like, whoa. Really? I was there? That's amazing. But it's only in retrospect. It's yeah. only in retrospect that you get that. <laughs> yeah. It's having the habits, changing habits. That's what you do by building the incrementals as you break down to get better habits. Yeah. Yeah. Who are your influences growing up in, in life and in business? Yeah. Well, obviously, my parents were a great influence on me. Um, they always spouted property and property investment. Although, with that said, they weren't great investment investors themselves because they made a lot of mistakes, like really big mistakes. <laughs> the ones where I said before about like how if you make a mistake and it's detrimental to your entire portfolio sometimes, yeah. and have that didn't happen to me, that happened to my parents. Because <laughs> they but, had the property in Stratfield, right? They had yeah, that's right. They, they had a few, but they just made mistakes and yeah. they didn't have the right team. They didn't have the right people to listen to, all that. But they were still influences in my life. And I learned from their mistakes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what not to do. It's kind of it, like they, they have been a big driving force for me. And certain key people in my life and networks in my life that have been very close with me and I've been able to bounce ideas off with them, not just about in property investing, but there's other, I have friends that I can bounce property investment ideas with, but I have other ones that I, like in a professional professional career, I can actually bounce ideas off them as well about certain things. I have, it's strange, I have like little niches and I know who to, who to, who to contact to get some feedback on. Yeah. I it's think that's important. Have, yeah, it's great yeah. to have network to go to your go-to people building a yeah. network that will help you or like, that yeah. you can help as well yeah that's right even um, like when it comes to my own health and personal health and my goals with training and stuff like that i have people that i can go to that i can talk to about that kind of stuff yeah. so it's something that that's really important that i've learned is that having just through property investment, you go, all right, you need a team of people there that help you with that. It's because they've had the experience and the knowledge and they can share that with you and they can help you through certain tough times as well. Same thing with your other aspects of your life. Yeah. It's important to have people that you can be sound, can be sounding boards or have had experience and gone through that and you can learn from their wisdom. Yeah. That is awesome. Shout out to your parents and to all the parents out there. That's who, right. Uh, who help their kids to get to where they are at the moment. Moving forward, what big goals do you have for your property investing business in, let's yeah. say, three to 10 years? Yeah, I love this one because I got big plans. <laughs> uh, first of all, I think, like I was saying, property investment is is a means to an end. So what is that in? Having that in mind is very important, right? So you're like, 
all right, what is the purpose of all of this? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to, what do you want to do? And how much money do you need to do that thing? Because we like to say oh, money isn't everything, but it does help, right? Yeah, it <laughs> it <does>. definitely helps. <laughs> it makes things easier. So for me, I actually want to be in a position to retire by the time I'm 50. That's not long. Hey, with the same age. You see from my gray hairs <laughs> that I, it's not long, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're uh, not. You're still a bit. There's still a bit of time there, Andrew. We're the same <laughs> age. <laughs> yeah, but it's coming along. It's coming along. It is yeah. coming. It is coming. <laughs> time doesn't stop, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to be in a position to retire by the time of fifty. And the I choose my words very carefully. It's be in a position to retire. That's. It doesn't mean that I'm going to just drop everything I'm doing right now and that's it. Yeah. What that would mean for me is that I get to choose like yeah. where I want to work or what, what I want to do next. Do I want to volunteer or do I want to start up my own consultancy and do something yeah. else? But I have opportunities then. I don't, you, I'm not tied to my nine to five yeah. anymore. You could be that tuck shop dad who goes. Who so. knows? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like for me, it's, I'd like to say, oh, I'll travel the world, but I've actually have traveled yeah. already. So it's not like that's a burning desire for me. And in fact, even if I did have the opportunity, I wouldn't be able to because I've got my kids and they need, need to go to school. And Tell, I, me, about Tell <laughs> me about it. It's not logical, right? It's not, not physically possible to do those things. But yes, it'd be nice to be able to be in control of choices in terms of where I want to work and what I want to do. So that's what I mean by in a position to retire. Yeah. Choices that you want, that you actually choose to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot to say that I didn't choose to be in this current role that I'm in right now, my my nine to five, but I, if I decided to leave today, that might be detrimental to building my portfolio and paying for certain bills and things like that. So that's that I'm trapped. I don't want to be like that. So that's what I mean. And so, yeah, in the next three to five years, I want to be able to, I think my ultimate goal really is to, and I've been playing around with the idea of slowly building up, meaning building, like going into building houses and homes and stuff like that. And then slowly work my way up to owning like an entire apartment block. Nice. That's a, that's my goal there. That's a challenge more than anything, but we'll see whether the numbers and everything makes sense. But that's my ultimate goal is to get to that stage. Nice. But yeah, I've got a strategy to build up from doing builds. But now it's like shifting from buying properties that are already built to like buying something that I can either knock down and rebuild or yeah. do a build myself. Um, actual land that's all, yeah. Yeah, and then doing something with that and getting capital gains and then rolling it on to the next project, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. wow. It's it's a really good goal to achieve when you get there. And I think yeah. you're in the cusp of on your way there. Yeah. yeah, there is a purpose to doing all of that as well. And the purpose is because I'm trying to dial back the amount of which that I've had in, in terms of loans that I've had to take out. So by dialing that down allows me to then take more of the income that I'm getting from the rent. Yeah. So the, the idea is to build more capital to then pay that down 
then be able to not have such a high leverage. Yes. It's already quite low, but I want it lower. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to pay for it. It'll have to do its own thing for itself, right? Yeah, that's right. What's top three advice that you have for budding entrepreneurs or property investors? That thing I said before, but having a goal in mind, that's really important yeah. because it's probably one of the best things that I did with my accountant at the time was just working out where you want to be. What is it in 10 years time, in 20 years time or whatever it is, whatever that end goal is in a whether it's short, medium, long term, having that in mind then gives you something to aim towards and gives you, then you can work backwards from there. It's almost like backwards architecting what you need to do. Yeah. We did this exercise, right? All right, in 10 years or in 20 years, we want to be in this position to be able to fully live off the income that we're getting from our rental property. All right, what does that mean? What do you mean by fully living off it? How much do you need a year? And, oh, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000? Hang on, what about, do you want to go on holidays? Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe that's $50,000 a year or something like that. Yeah. So just like be able to work out all of that. Like, yeah. How do you cover all your expenses plus do all the things that you want to do with your family? and then work backwards from that. That's, that is probably the best advice that I can give yeah. anybody with anything that you do in life, not just in investing, yeah. too, by the way. I talk a lot about my health side of things because I'm really passionate about like endurance sports and triathlons and stuff. And the reason why I normally pick a, an event or something like that in the future is because it's a goal, right? It does, I'm not just thinking for the hell of it, right? Like I want, I, I want something there to aim towards that I can then create a strategy to how I'm going to get there. Yeah. Have, having that end goal in mind gives me the ability to then go, right, about three months in, I'm going to start running a lot more on my training, swim training program or something like that, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go from there. Nice. Um, having the goal in mind is... The number one, number one. I think it's it's heavily, like it helps, hundred percent with anything that you're doing. It's just having that goal in mind, being really honest as well with that goal. Yeah, I don't know. You could say I want to go to the moon, <laughs> but if you're gonna do that in six months, I'm probably gonna tell you that it may not be possible, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're friends with Elon Musk, right? Yeah, or something like that. So it has to be. Uh, it's yeah, people talk about those. Oh, old school sort of smart goals yeah make it smart make it something that's tangible something that's achievable something that's realistic yeah. and then and don't make like 10 million goals just start with one just work with one one particular goal in mind it doesn't need to be complex yeah yeah it's a great exercise for people who want to get into business or who want to get into property investing who want yeah. to get fit it's a perf perfect perfect end goal in mind to have yeah yeah because then you'll be like if you're talking about business then you're like all right what do i what's the roadmap for, for my business establishment look like where do i need to start turning a profit is a two-year plan three-year plan a five-year plan where do i have to bring in investment if that's something that i need and how much investment do i need as well yeah it's awesome. It's, it's, I think a lot of people need to start doing that, especially people who jump into business 
or jump into investing without any plan. Some people yeah. jump into business. And don't tell me that you want money because <laughs> that's just, that's, that's great and all, but have something a bit more tangible than I yeah. just want to make money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you can't go wrong with that, with that advice, Andrew. How did you want to impact? How do you want to impact the world and what kind of legacy do you want to have? It's probably more to do with the the impact that I have on the world would probably be more to do with my passion in product. And actually, it's like looking now at what I do in my nine to five. I really want to be able to create awesome products that leave a legacy and, and leave I guess leave a good feeling in, in, in people's hearts, right? Oh man, I remember that, that, that app. I remember that thing that we used. That was great. Yeah. And be able to be part of that and help grow that product and build it from the ground up or be a part of it and con- consult and help give advice to that company. That'd be great. That's like something that I've already had a hand in a lot of different applications that, that you people may use in Australia anyway in their day to day. Yeah. that they may not know about, but I'm like, I know. Ah, okay. I see. You, you. had a hand in that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hand in that. <laughs> yeah. But that's it's always been a positive impact. It's That's what I love to do. And even I would say after I retire, I would love to still be part of doing that, whether it's giving advice or uh, being on the board of directors or something like that for a company that, that's doing good and just leaving an impact that way. And the other legacy, obviously, is my kids just being able to make sure that they turn out to be good eggs. <laughs> that is a 24-hour-a-day job, man. Yes, but it is. Being able to, going back to what I said before, show set a good example for them, like the way that my parents have. I want them to do good by them as well and show them that anything is possible and hope, hopefully they'll keep keep it going on. Yeah. Long after I'm gone. <laughs> I think I think showing great example to your kids in what you're doing in life and in your business, in your properties, and even traveling. I see you guys are traveling so much. It's a little experiences. We love yeah. to travel. We haven't traveled since COVID hit. You guys kept on traveling straight after. So it's <laughs> it's one thing that we our family is missing is like traveling. Hawaii is our destination that we love to go to. Yeah. It's we haven't done it for a while, but we are itching, especially the wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of us are. One of the other reasons why we converted some of our properties to holiday rentals was we know right now is I look at life as seasons. Right now is a season where our kids are still quite young. And they want to, I was telling you, like, they want to hang out with dad and mom still. Yeah. So that means, like, we we have these holiday properties and we can go to them and give them good memories about our time that we spent there. Because I know there would be a season where they won't want to hang out with mom and dad anymore. And I'm getting close to that season now. <laughs> and so when that comes around, like, we can then think about, all right, what do we do with these properties now? It's just rent it out long term again because it's not worth it. Yeah. But we're okay to take a financial hit now because of that, because it, it leaves a lasting memory in their minds where we can anyway, mm-hmm. when they're young and they're, they still think that that's cool. <laughs> cool dad. I asked that. I asked that to my, my 15 year old. Hey guys, 
to my two elder boys. <laughs> Am I a cool dad or not? And then you go, Dad, sometimes you're cringe. So. <laughs> 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 but the, uh, there you, did you the lit, go. You did, did the litmus test. And <laughs> <failed>. <laughs> That's what happens when you have teenager boys. It's they're living their life at the moment, and they they have so many influences outside, like the YouTubes and the TikToks and all that. The social media. That's yeah. that they're exposed to that that we weren't exposed to when we, we were, were young. No. So, it's just different. They have to learn to grow up a lot faster these days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know that you read a lot of books. I know that you read, you've recommended great books to me before. If you had a book to recommend, what would it be and why? Okay. Yeah. If we're talking about just investing in, in just business and just starting off, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I go back to my very first book that, that kind of got me on the journey of the, things like this. And that was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. I've been thinking about that because I, funnily enough, in this season of my life, I haven't been able to spend the time to read as much as I wanted to. So I, if you ask me if it was a recent book that I can remember that I read, you know, probably the most recent one would have been like Michelle Obama's book or David Goggins or something like that. Yeah. But that was like, two years, three years ago or something. <laughs> but definitely Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's, I know there's stuff in there that's a bit old school, but I think it's still a it's lot still, of that still relevant. Yeah. Just having that mindset. If For kids, I've heard that the Barefoot Investor for Kids yeah. is actually really good. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you've got children, maybe hit that one up as well. Yeah. I, it gets them thinking about money and what to do with the money that they have. Which is always important because I I think I really think that schools need to teach more about money management yeah. in general to That's people because it's like we set them up to be money making machines right, don't know through how to keep it. education, <laughs> but they don't understand what to do with it, yes. which is really strange to me. Yeah, that's two great books to have. I remember one of the books that you recommended to me back in our days in our mastermind days. Master key systems. Remember that? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was just about to go get the book again to read it actually. So I was one of my friends who's about to go on a startup. Yeah, that was the that was a book that I thought that because his business was based on similar things in the master key system. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, great books to have and i'll put that on the show notes as well so that people can want to go pick it up it's there and get it in any bookstores that you can yeah if the listeners need help with let's say proper investing or a question that they want to ask for you how can they reach you Gosh, get me like professionally, you can get me on LinkedIn. Uh, Yes, I think we're friends on LinkedIn, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, I can put out my email. I've got a couple of different emails, but I can give you one that that they can reach out to. Let's get them to in your profile if they need any advice sometime or anything. I'll get them to your LinkedIn. Yeah, Yeah, I don't like, look, I'd like to say hit me up on some social media (laughs) channel, but. 
one, I don't go on Instagram or whatever that much, so I don't think you'll get me on any of those. So yeah, probably you probably won't, you won't answer them. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a marketing scam or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'll put your link of your your LinkedIn profile on your handles yeah. in the show notes as well if there's a question there for you after listening to the show yeah. andrew thank you again for an awesome chat i think it's well overdue for us to catch up and it's to actually talk it would have been great yeah, if you're yeah. sitting next to me and hopefully i was talking to the wife that will convert this room to a podcast um podcast room so hopefully we can have you over and then yeah because it's our like turn firesides chat or something like that <laughs> you know me sitting next to you maybe we have a scotch or something yeah like that's that. right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's i think our kids especially your middle son is the same age as my youngest who last time they saw each other they looked exactly like twins so twins. <laughs> so i think it's way overdue i'm just gonna go guys that and then let's go meet up again because it's yeah, definitely way it's overdue way way too long yeah. yeah it's been nice talking to you man yeah it's been awesome it's been great to talk to you again andrew it's new year New beginnings and let's try try to build all my great friendships up again. And it's now that COVID is knock on wood that slows down and I'm, yeah. I'm able to build my close friends again and be able to just see them and finally catch up because it's been so hard with kids as yeah. a, yeah. 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 Thank you again, Andrew. And yeah, it's been an awesome chat. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bro. You've been listening to the Business Launch Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes and come and visit our website at businesslaunch.agency. Thank you and have a great day.